You're listening to the Pimp Cron Podcast. Welcome, boys and girls, to the Pimpcron Warhammer Podcast, episode 42. This is the aforementioned host, Pimpcron, and we aim to ignite the flame of hobby in each and every one of you, but I do have a warning for you that this episode is going to be a little different. We are going to dive deep into the history of the Dark Eldar, or commonly now called the Drukari, their product line. Now, this is a very hard thing to uncover because everybody knows the backstory in the lore for the Drakari. And anytime you go to search for information, anything like this, this is, you know, all you get is the actual lore, how they, you know, hid in the webway and blah, blah, blah. But we had a letter from Marcus back in February, which is one of our Patreon patrons. And he requested that we actually do occasional spotlights on different armies and show how they've changed through the years. So, in honoring um, what Marcus requested, his army that he plays is Dark Eldar, and he wanted that to be the first army that we do. So, I did some digging online, and I am joined by Cronet on large portions of this episode, and we discuss exactly how the Dark Eldar came to be, and how long they've been hanging around, and how they change over time. I think it's really interesting. Uh, if you don't, I apologize, but uh, we plan to do this for, you know, many of the main factions over time. This is not going to be an every week thing, but I did want to do it this once, and if you guys do like it, please vote for it, essentially, by uh, emailing us at pimpcron at gmail.com, or messaging me on facebook.com slash pimpcron, or uh, via Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash pimpcron. Or, of course, you can call the voicemail and just let us know what you think about this. If you liked it, then let us know. If you absolutely hated it, then also let us know, because that's also equally helpful. We don't want everybody to just be miserable listening to the podcast. So, uh, we are going to be breaking format completely today, and this is going to be an hour-long show just discussing the Drakari or the Dark Eldar. So, let's see how that turns out. And uh, then next week, we'll be back to our normal format and some other topic. But occasionally, I would like to dig deep into the backstory of the product line for an army. Um, I find that incredibly fascinating. I hope you will, too, because there are some funky-ass models in the lore and the... I mean, not in the lore, in the backstory of this of this army. And, um, you know, it's everyone's uh, favorite dark elves in space. Now, here's an idea. So, in this edition of Well, Here's an Idea, I wanted to bring up the point that Dark Eldar have changed quite drastically over the years in their rules. I am fortunate enough to uh, be a big fan of Dark Eldar, and I have their original codex. And this is back in 3rd edition. Now, when we look through the Archons, the Dracons, the Homunculi, the, um, the Succubus, all that, that's all pretty much standard. The Succubus has a 4-up involved in close combat, etc., etc. So there's nothing special there. But then I got to one of my personal favorite units, the Grotesques. And boy, have they changed. So, they had no save at all, they had only 2 wounds, and they were only Toughness 3. Now, I know what you're thinking. I know you're thinking... Wow, those suck. Two wounds and toughness three with a with no save. Grotesques were terrible. Well, not only were their models terrible, but they had an awesome, awesome ability to counteract this weakness. Um, so they had an ability called Feel No Pain. And now I know what you're thinking. Oh, a six up Feel No Pain, five up Feel No Pain. No, this was far, far, far better. So it says, because of their feel no pain, they ignore shooting hits from weapons whose strength is not at least twice the grotesque's toughness. This means that ranged attacks can affect grotesques that can affect grotesques will always be an outright kill. So essentially, what that means is that back, you know, it used to be um, uh, what was it called? Instant death, I think it was, or uh, when your strength doubled the toughness if they took one wound. Then you just remove the model from play, no matter how many hit points it had left. Well, this Feel No Pain says that they ignore all shooting hits 
from weapons if the strength is not at least strength six, because that would be double their toughness three. And that is badass. Uh, they also have a funny special rule called stupid, and they're not noted for their intelligence. Unless they're accompanied by an independent character, they must pass a leadership test in order to move in the movement phase. That's cool. They're le- leadership five. Which, of course, the leadership test back then was 2d6, and you had to be 5 or less. So that's actually pretty interesting. Mandrakes also had um, several differences. They um, they had shadow skin, which means they always had a 5-up cover, which is somewhat familiar to us. And they got plus 2 when they got normal cover. Whatever their cover save was, they got plus 2 to it. So oftentimes cover would be a 5-up or a 4-up, and they would get plus 2. That was pretty awesome. But here's something really interesting about the Mandrakes, and this is another one of my favorite units. Mandrakes were not deployed like other troops. They were always deployed at the start of the battle, even as the even if the mission rules said they had to be held in reserve. But, instead of placing the unit on the table as normal, you would take three Mandrake models, no matter how many models were in the squad, and deploy them separately in any place allowed by the deployment rules of the mission. Any one of these models can represent the actual location of the Mandrake squad, though you don't have to decide which one until the squad is revealed. Until the squad's location is revealed, your opponent may not shoot, assault, or otherwise attack the Mandrakes in any way, but by the same token, the Mandrakes do not affect the enemy. They can't be used for crossfire purposes or blocking line of sight, etc., which were rules in, you know, 3rd edition. All that the individual models may do is move up to six inches in the movement phase. They can do nothing else. Um, but you may reveal the true location of the squad at the start of any phase during your own turn. However, you must have revealed their location by the end of the third turn. So this is kind of... Uh, we see this with the new Gene Stealer Cult rules where you know you set up several blips and you choose which one. But this is specific just for one unit and I love this idea. Uh, Mandrake's... That's, that is pretty sweet. Um, so, there's a couple other differences. Um, witches, number one, they were an elite choice, not a troop. And their combat drugs you could not choose, which everything back then you couldn't choose. You had to roll for it. But they had some really neat abilities. So on this D6 table, they could, it used to be a standard 6-inch charge. So you didn't roll for it. Um, this was even back when I started in 5th edition. You didn't roll for your charge length, you just had a straight 6-inch charge and you could not pre-measure. Well, if you rolled a 1 on this chart, your witches could make a 12-inch assault move, and that is amazing. Think about that. That that would be the equivalent of now saying your witches can charge 4d6. That is nuts. Uh, Another one was plus 1 weapon skill, plus 1 strength, plus 1 attack. They could reroll all misses in close combat, and they could always strike first, which, of course, anybody that played in older editions prior to 8th edition, you would know that initiative was a thing, and they were already initiative 6, which meant that they were probably going to attack in close combat first anyway, but in case they were fighting something that was, you know, even faster than they were, they would always strike first if you rolled that on the D6 table, which I thought was pretty interesting. In that same vein, the Reaver Jet Bikes and the Hellions had a different table they could roll on, although it was the same with each other. So the Reaver Jet Bikes and the Hellions rolled in a separate table from the Witches, and this is what they got. So if you rolled a 1 for your combat drugs, they got Craze. They ignore ignore all fallback results. um, They always advance after a combat, and they never consolidate, which some of that may seem like gibberish to you if you never played 3rd edition. But um, they also got plus one weapon skill, plus one strength. They always strike first. They can reroll all misses in close combat, and they get plus one attack. So um, the only thing different there is um, the the number one result on that table. Moving on to the heavy support options, one of another one of my favorite units, the Talos Pain Engine. Um, of course, back then there was no such thing as a Kronos. It was just a Talos, and this thing was a hundred points. Had a three up armor save. It was toughness seven, but only three wounds. That seems like a lot of points for just three wounds with a three-up save. I don't know. It just seems like a lot. Um, But overall, it was vaguely what it is now as far as rules and abilities. Moving on to the named characters, we have a now-defunct character in the tabletop game, but not in the lore, and I'm going to murder his name, guaranteed, is Asdrabailed Vect, I believe that is. 
and um, basically he's the um, the leader of the uh, Cabal of the Black Heart. And it's interesting because in third edition they had rules where you could only take certain characters if they the army was at least so many points strong. So you could only take as as Drew Bale Vect if your army was at least two thousand points. And I kind of wish they would go back to this sort of um, scaling because things like knights would be much more balanced. You know, you can only take a knight if, if your army is at least 1,500 points or whatever. Um, I think that makes a lot more sense to me. Another word that I'm going to murder is that as Drabail Vect was on his Dies of Destruction. So I always used to say Days of Destruction, but I'm pretty sure it's a Dias or a Dais. And um, basically he was in a Ravager. And what's pretty amazing is that he had 14, well, 14 points of armor in all uh, facings. So a lot of you will not understand what that means, but um, he was 277 points. And essentially he was a, uh, he was a raider, or he was a ravager rather, a ravager. And he was as tough as a land raider because land raiders were armor 14 all the way around and they were the toughest thing in the entire game. Oftentimes vehicles would have different front and side armor and then even weaker rear armor. But land raiders were special because they were 14 all around. And what you had to do is roll a d6 and add it to your weapon strength in, in order to penetrate or glance that armor. So this was a flying... Uh, a flying land raider essentially it was just as tough as a land raider and you could not take him without his dais of destruction which is pretty interesting um it also had five attacks to represent him and his bodyguards and things like that um i just think it's pretty interesting and um uh that's uh, unfortunately somebody they never brought back because you know just like they did um uh what was it logan grimnar i'm gonna forget his name i think it was for Space Wolves, you know, they put him on that chariot and whatnot. Would it not be awesome to have um, Asdrubale Vect on his Dias of Destruction? That would be an awesome, awesome model. But, unfortunately, he's gone the way of the Index. Actually, I don't even, I don't even think he's in the Index. Um, he was probably in 5th edition book. Uh, I don't know. I just don't know. Here's another character that we no longer have. She's an Archon, right? And her name is Cruella. Come on, people. Cruella. Now, it's spelled K-R-U-E-L-L-A-G-H, but she was an Archon, and she was the Archon of the Emasculators, which, <laughs> which is pretty interesting. She couldn't be taken unless your army was at least 1,500 points, and she was just a combat monster. Um, she had damnation grenades, and she could take a retinue of Dark Eldar warriors or Incubi, and she was just generally pretty badass. Um... Her uh, weapon skill was 6, her ballistic skill was 6. She only had 3 wounds, which I'm noticing a lot of things had very few wounds back then. When, of course, we're, we're used to now HQs at least having, you know, 4 or 5 wounds. Um, she only had 3 wounds and she was toughness 3. But there's a pretty sick looking uh, picture of her. And they never actually made a model for Cruella, which I'm a, a little sad for. Um, now, Lilith Hesperax was basically the same. Um, of course, things are a little different, but, um, you know, I, I mentioned before that witches counted as elite choices. Well, if you took her as your leader, they counted as troop choices, which is pretty cool. But overall, she couldn't be taken in less than a 1,500-point match, etc., etc. Um, there was also Drazar, which is basically, you know, the same murder monster that he is now. And um, Urien Rakarth was in there. But there was a Mandrake champion, which is pretty interesting, and he was Decapitator, the Mandrake champion. Now, I believe I remember this when I played Dark Eldar before their, I guess, 6th edition update. And um, there was a named character for Mandrakes, and he was pretty sweet. Um, this guy as well, um, uh, he had additional limbs. Um, he had a weapon called the Decapitator. And then, of course, he had all the abilities that all the Mandrakes had because he was a Mandrake uh, champion. So I think that is pretty cool. Um, of course, you know, in this book, they had their own missions and things like that as well. But all in all, that is the gist of it. Some of the weapons over the years, of course, have, you know, changed in their stats or their appearance or whatever. I've noticed um, quite a few different... Um, 
uh, weapon options for their raiders and stuff, um, allowing them to, like, tank shock, even though you used to have to have the keyword tank in order to tank shock. Um, there's the horror effects, there's the night shield, there's the scaling nets, the screaming jets, scythes, slave snares, torture amp, and trophy racks. So you'll notice that the night shield and the, um, the trophy racks kind of hung around, but um, even the scythes, actually. And I'm assuming slave snares are now the chain snares. Um, so a lot of this is, is pretty similar, but it's pretty interesting that I'm looking at all the stats for the entire army and nothing has more than three wounds, which is pretty amazing, actually. Well, that is basically the coverage of how the stats and abilities were different than they are now. Of course, they had no rules for, um, you know, you getting better as, per turn or whatever. That was, um, invented, I believe in fifth edition. Uh, when they got their 5th edition um, revamp, they got um, they started getting things each turn or whatever. Actually, I might be wrong about that. 5th edition might have been the number of units that you killed. And then in their 6th or 7th edition revamp, then you just started getting flat bonuses instead of counting a, keeping a head count of how many units that you killed completely. So, that is... Uh, well, here's an idea for this episode. And, like I said, you know, we're breaking format a bit, but... um. That the idea here is that Dark Eldar have always been pretty metal, pretty cool, and all about torture. Let's move on. Now it's time for Real Talk with Pentcron. Welcome to another edition of Real Talk with the Pentcron. Today I'm joined by my bride, Cronette. Well, that's better than Bride of Frankenstein. Bride, yeah. Bride of Kron. We're both in agreement that is better than yeah. Bride of Frankenstein. Um, you'd have cooler hair though if you were. She had like that Marge Simpson hair with the white streaks. I'd it was, take it. It was pretty sweet. Yeah. Anyway, today we are going to be discussing. We're going to be going back in time. That's right to the old age of 1998. Boy, where was I in 1998? Hmm, 1998, I would have been in 8th grade. I, 6th grade? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. My memory of my childhood has been wiped. Yeah. I had one of those uh, men trauma in black. Does that. Yeah, drama does that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, we want to discuss the real world backstory of the Dark Eldar, which eventually become the Drukhari as we know them today. So, we've done some digging. Um, There is no... Uh, actual concise history of their development or anything like that so i have had to root through um a couple bell of lost souls articles uh wikipedia and um even our drive through rpg believe it or not hmm. um had a really neat thing that we'll get to in a little while so without further ado what exactly are the Drakari? Well, because I know them so well, the Drakari were relative newcomers to the setting, with no direct reference to them in the original source material of the game. Their introduction to both the game and background fiction coincide with the release of the third edition of Warhammer for, sorry, 40,000 in 1998. And their models featured in the game's new starter set alongside a Space Marine force. Alright, so in 1998, I did not actually play Warhammer. Um, I was, uh, I probably would have if I knew about it. But then again, at that age, I would have needed a ride That's true. to the local game store, which I did not have. So, oh, 98. Uh, yeah, I was 8th grade. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> I was like, wait, could I drive then? 8th grade? No, I can't. Okay. No. So... In this third edition starter set, we're looking at it right now, it came with a ton of stuff compared to uh, starter sets now. It was seventy nine ninety nine mm -hmm. in the U.S., which... It's the probably like 150 now. Uh, it is roughly about 150, okay. 160, something like that um, for starter sets now. Oh, okay. Um, but uh, because of inflation and whatnot, and GW has their own brand of inflation, <laughs> it's just price hikes. <laughs> Um, so anyway, in this set, you would get 10 Space Marines, uh, one Space Marine Land Speeder, which I think is kind of an odd choice for this this box. You'd have 20 Dark Eldar Warriors. You'd get a rule book. You'd get uh, two card um, 
uh, play sheets, which of course there were the like cheat sheets. Mm-hmm. You also got two. They claim two ruined buildings. Uh, it is really two corners of buildings, and you also got two tank traps, as well as what are the red things? Oh, those are the the whippy sticks. So, <laughs> is that like when your opponent does something wrong or tries to cheat, you whip them with it? Yeah, um, if you can get them in the eye, <laughs> that is. So they are flexible uh, tape measures. Okay. And they're like I think sixteen, eighteen inches, something like that. Um, for some reason, I want to say they're sixteen inches because eighteen would be a nice round number at a foot and a half. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure they're sixteen, but anyway. Because that makes more sense. Um, I, I remember it being an odd number. Okay. Or it's twenty inches or something. Uh, but anyway, all the starter sets, including now, come with the whippy sticks. And um, that's assuming that you've never seen or heard of a tape measure before. Okay. Uh, now, I don't know if the most recent set of Warhammer 40k came with the whippy sticks, but they have ever since, you know, forever. Since 1998. Uh, since probably before that, actually. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it also came with all the templates that you would need. The small blast template, uh, the pie plate template, as we called the it. Flamer. The flamer template. It even came with some dice. And it even came with two jungle trees. Hmm. Now, these trees are pretty awesome, actually. Um, you could paint them. They actually came in brown plastic. Um, I think it was brown plastic and green plastic. I don't think you even painted it. Like, the buildings came gray. Mm-hmm. You didn't have to paint it, which is pretty nice. Now, I did not play back then, but I do actually have many parts of this set from, obviously, secondhand sources. So... I've got many sets of those two building corners. Mm-hmm. I've even got some of the tank. I have at least one set each of those tank traps, which I hate them. I don't even know why I own them. They're always just part of a lot or something. And I even have some of these old Dark Eldar models. Now, they're a little goofy looking. I think I've seen them. Uh, yeah, well, I don't play with them, but they're in, they're in my drawer. They're in one of, of your boxes, random. Yeah. yeah. And Because um, they're kind of goofy looking. But, um... They uh, actually comes with four jungle trees, according to the box. Oh, four jungle trees. Well, I only see two here unless they're hidden behind the others. And the whippy sticks are called two range rulers. Range rulers. That sounds a lot better than whippy sticks. (laughs) (laughs) So whippy sticks, notoriously, nobody wanted to use because they already had tape measures. Mm -hmm. So you would actually hit people with them because they were flexible Mm -hmm. and they would pow. They would whip. Okay. Which is pretty cool. Okay. So, um... Anyway, this was in the third edition starter set. Now, to us, nowadays, all we can think of is Imperium versus Chaos for a starter set. Okay. Because the sixth and seventh edition was Chaos versus Space Marines, and the uh, eighth edition is Chaos versus Space Marines. And um, But originally, they actually had different armies besides just Chaos fighting against Space Marines, and 3rd edition was the Black Templars versus the Dark Eldar, which is something we will probably never see again. They were the debut army for a 3rd edition starter set, so that's why they came out. Prior to 3rd edition, they did not have their own codex. Mm -hmm. This was a brand new range of models. Dark Eldar was never an actual army prior to this. was it, So it was never even mentioned prior to 3rd third, third edition at all. It was never mentioned prior to 3rd edition. It was not in any of the original source material. Mm-hmm. Now, Eldar did exist already. And um, when they show, there's old pictures of um, like color schemes you could paint your Eldar. And some of them did resemble kind of pirates. And Dark Eldar, which also name, known as Drakari, are basically space pirates. They, they rob, pillage, rape, all that. Okay. Uh, a lot of rape. They like rape. So, <laughs> like, uh, if if they were going to... Well, the weird thing is, like, you never see women, though. So, like, are they raping other men? No, no, no. Actually, you know, we'll get to that in a minute when we discuss the models, but Dark Eldar is the OG uh, feminist army. Okay. They are legitimately, and always have been, even in these original models, which we'll get to in a minute, they were always 50% men, 50% women. Oh. And you will be surprised to see that even their leaders, there was a, what was called a Dracon okay. was a woman and an Archon was a man. And they were hmm. the same, they were the same profile, but one was a man, one was a woman. And they even had two versions of the homunculus, which they had a female and a male homunculus. Now they did not have a male uh, succubus, which is the leader of the witch cult. Uh, It was only that, but the witches are half men, half women, even though they're called witches, Mm -hmm. which is kind of weird. But, um, I understand about 50% of your Spanish you just spoke. 
<laughs> well, uh, anyway, so these were, like, everyone says that women weren't represented in the game, blah, 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 because Sisters of Battle um, commonly did not have much representation, and now they're going to be remade now. But um, for the longest time, everyone says, oh, there's no women in Warhammer, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. Well, you wrong, fool, because since 1999 or 98, Drakari has been representing with mm -hmm. complete 50-50 male-female. Well, that's not fair because women actually make up 51% of the pop population. Well, hopefully, I hope they did their due diligence. And although we don't know about the breeding habits of the Drakari. That's true. You're basing that off of Earth humans. I'm, which I'm making a big assumption. You need to check your Earth privilege because you don't know if... Uh, I don't know what fell behind us, but... <laughs> 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 We've upset a poltergeist. <laughs> I thought we were alone. Anyway, uh, so... This is pretty cool. Um, let's move on with our little written word here. Okay. A full range of miniatures was made available alongside a codex supplement containing rules for fielding a Dark Eldar army late in 1998. A revised edition of the, this book featuring new content was released in 2003 during the fourth edition of Warhammer 40k. Following a statement that Rick Priestley made in White Dwarf 3... I like the question mark on that. <laughs> Priestley? Priestley? Anyway, in, it was uh, White Dwarf number 343, issue in the U.S., 342 somehow. I guess they, we missed one somewhere <laughs> along the way. Anyway, saying that I think it's time that the Dark Eldar, Space Wolves, and a few others have their time in the spotlight again. A new codex for the 5th edition of the game was released, accompanied by a redesigned miniature range. Several of the previous metal models were replaced with new multi-part plastic kits, and all the new models had a distinctive new visual style. Okay, now, I did not play in 3rd edition, but I did play in 5th edition. That's when I first started Warhammer. That was the birth of Warhammer for me. So, um, I, you know, of course, my army was the Necrons, and they had a, still they were working with a, I think, third edition book. Um, they didn't come out with no, new codexes every edition back then. And uh, my book was like 10 years old at that point. Okay. And, uh, but the fifth edition Dark Eldar release was the hotness. They were very, very good on the, on the table. Uh, at least in our local, local circles, they had the reputation for, oh, if you're a power gamer, or if you're highly skilled, you play Dark Eldar. Because they've always been a glass cannon. Mm -hmm. You know, low toughness, low wounds, a terrible armor save, blah, blah, blah. But they can dish out a ton of firepower. So um, that's why it was either highly competitive people that played them or very skilled people. And um, now this is anecdotal because I don't actually have the sales figures. But it is commonly held that Dark Eldar have always been one of the hardest armies to play for this reason. And one of the least selling armies for this very same reason. Hmm. Now, this is exactly why myself and Just James love this army. I was just about to ask, do you have a Dark Eldar army? It's my vampires. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so I think you told me that before. Well, you know about the vampire army. I just get lost. If you've got quite yeah. a few. So um, my army is Dark Eldar, but it actually, I, I use it as the narrative reason is that they're actually vampires. Okay. Like a super, super minor faction. Cool. Uh, but anyway. So... Um, I remember that um, there was one super competitive guy in our gaming club over at store number one uh, with Dickhead, uh, Dickhead McGee, the owner. Mm -hmm. And uh, this dude, he would table you like by turn two or three. Like he was very good. He apparently, I don't know what his deal was, but he would come into our area like once a month or something. I don't know if he like worked, traveled somewhere else or whatever. But he'd come by about once a month, and I remember him being elsewhere the rest of the time. And he would come in and just beat everyone's ass, and then we wouldn't see him for a month. It was like a it was like a terrible monthly Santa Claus, <laughs> like, <laughs> kind of like a period. Yes, it was our male geek Warhammer period. <laughs> he would just beat our ass. We'd love chocolate. We'd um we'd start retaining water for some reason. I, maybe out of fear. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you blow up like a we, uh, puffer fish. Yeah, yeah, we get real bitchy. <laughs> just, I don't know. But uh, anyway, so um, they did get a complete overhaul of their design. So 
So um, they did get a complete redesign of their models, and their models are the same models. Once they got redesigned in um, uh, 2011, which is roughly when I started, um, when they got redesigned in 2011, that is the same models that we have now. And the design has held up. They're all covered in leather and spikes, and they're really nice looking. Um, very agile. Everyone's like running or doing acrobatics. It's really pretty. So let's move on with the new range of models and a little bit of that timeline there. Okay. Further release waves for the new range followed in March, June, August, and September 2011. After these releases, only a single miniature, that of the special character, you're going to have to help me there. No one knows. Drazar, Drazar. Okay. That guy remained in production from the original line of models. The next codex was released in October 14th. Um, I'm sorry, in October of 2014, as both a hardback book and ebook, and was one of the first codexes released during the seventh edition of Warhammer 40K, although it lacked some of the army building features which have become common in subsequent releases for from the edition, such as formations. A small model wave was released at the same time, as well as a codex supplement book. Here, I don't know. Homunculus Covens. Okay. Allowing the player to field full armies made up of units related to the homunculi from the fa- uh, fi- faction? Fiction? Oh. From the fiction and gaining particular in-game restrictions and benefits. As a part of the rebranding of most of the 40k world armies, the official name of the army was changed to Drakari for the 8th edition of Warhammer 40k. So GW had been doing a lot of this. They've rebranded a lot of things. No longer are they dwarves, they are the dispossessed. No longer are they Dark Eldar, they're Drakari. No longer are they Eldar, they're the Eldari. Okay. So... Uh, oh, they're not space marines anymore. They're the Adeptus Astartes, which they've always been called the Adeptus Astartes, but they didn't actually refer to them as that. Um, so the the common, you know, the nomenclature of that has changed because it's trademarkable. Mm-hmm. I was just thinking of that. Yeah, you can copyright Drakari, whatever the hell that is, but you can't say Dark Eldar. Although you would think Eldar would be a copyrightable name. I don't know. Eldar is pretty, like, I mean, universal for, like, role-playing games, and I would assume... It's elves. Not Eldar. Oh, okay. Well, to no. me, I mean, well, ever since I found out what the Eldar were, I guess I relate it in my head to um, elves. And they are. They're space elves, basically. But I think Eldar is original to Warhammer. I'm not positive. But I do have a very interesting tidbit here, which is the release schedule for how um, uh, Dark Eldar were released. So in... October 1998, 3rd edition Warhammer 40k was released. One month later, Codex Dark Eldar was released along with Plastic Warriors, a Cyberite, Homunculus, and Witches. So the Cyberites, uh, I wish Just James was here. I forget what the Cyberites are. They're a sergeant, I think, for a unit. I think, oh, a Cyberite is the sergeant for the Warriors. That's what it is. So there was two versions of Cyberite and two versions of the Homunculus, which I was talking about, are is the man and woman. Mm-hmm. And then also Metal Witches. I like how they spelled Witches, W-Y-C-A-F. So one month after 3rd edition came out, they got their own codex, Warriors, a Cyberite, Homunculus, and Witches. One month later, they got their first vehicle, which was a Raider. They got Reaver Jet Bikes. They have Beastmaster and Warp Beasts as a set. They also have their first Archon. They have Incubi and Urian Rakarth, which was their first named character to come out of the sets. One month later, in January of 1999, they released Scourges for the first time, the Talos paint engine, um, also sets of warriors with special weapons, because the Dark Eldar warriors could take those, and also witches with witch weapons. Sounds like somebody was really bored and just kind of on the, just released every every once a month. That's kind of, it seems like you would just kind of do a, complete drop not spend your money in november and december and yes. january so so to recap this right they got their codex one set of troops one set of um hqs and one elite choice mm-hmm. 
and that's all they got. And then you had to wait the next month to get a bunch of others, and then the next month to get a bunch of others. And uh, February 1999, they got scourges with splinter rifles. Woohoo! Then May 1999, they finally got a Dracon, which is the female Archon. And they got Drazar, which is a leader for the Incubi, and they got Mandrakes, and the models are freaking stupid looking. But we'll get into that. June 99 has the Ravager released, and Krula the Vile, which I have no idea who the hell that is. That's a named character. And January of... So they went from June to January of 2000, so six months, and they finally released another person I'll never pronounce correctly, as Drubail Vect which was a the the big named character. He was the guy. Um, they've since discontinued his his model and his stats, but um, they also released Hellions and Lilith Hesperax, which she's still around. She's the leader of the witches. Mm-hmm. And witches with assault weapons. Now, three years later, they got the second edition of the Dark El- Eldar Codex. And then one year after that, they got um, the Warhammer 4th edition came out. And then that's basically it. Um, In 2010, they re-released a crap ton, basically every single unit in the game except for Drazar. In November of 2010, they did a huge splash release. They had... The Codex, Dark Eldar, Cablate Warriors, Witches, Hellions, Reaver Jet Bikes, Raiders, Ravagers, Urian Rathcarth, Archon, Lilith Hesprax, Mandrakes, Incubi, and a Webway Portal, which I don't know what that model is. And then, one year later, no, actually four months later, they released the Succubus model, Beastmaster, Clawed Fiend, Chimera, and Razorwing Flock. And then, two months later... A bunch of other stuff. Talos, Kronos, new models, Scourges, Venom, Razorwing, Jet Fighter, which was brand new because flyers were new at that mm-hmm. time. Uh, homunculus and Fine Cast, Racks and Grotesques. And. Sounds like one of the people that joined the company in the higher ranks decided that that was their favorite army. And. They really did push it. And um, that's when they started doing splash releases. So just like we were talking about. Back in 99, they were doing, you know, trickle, like two units, one unit, four units They were trying to month. get to people's uh, bank accounts and make it reasonable, you yes. know, per well, paycheck. Well, in November of 2010, they're like, fuck that, and they just dumped the entire army on well, you. Well, that's when Christmas was coming, so. Yes. Um, now, they did wait four months, release a bunch more, and then wait three more months, release a bunch more, and then two months, release more, a month more, and whatnot. So... That is basically the um, the release cycle of all the Dark Eldar through the years. Now, I did come across something that I thought was pretty funny. Um, there is a review of the third edition starter set from um, the actual review was on RPG Drive Through or Drive Through RPG.net, and it's by a guy named Jason Driver. And this was from 1999, which I thought was an awesome uh, trip back on memory lane, and. I just wanted to point out that freaking GW Hayton nerds has never changed. Okay. You feel like that's a new thing? It is not a new thing. So here's a little anecdote from his review. To close, allow... Now, this I'm quoting this from Jason Driver. To close, allow me to share an experience at a recent convention I attended. A group of gamers walked up to the 40K tables, tournament tables, and began to loudly discuss the quote-unquote problems with 40K 3rd edition with the game judge. They spoke at length, obviously hoping to sway the players with their thoughts, and then, as they prepared to go, one of them turned and summed up their whole argument. There are lots of cheaper game systems out there, he said to the guy running the game. The tournament administrator looked at him and smiled benevolently. Yes, I know, he replied, and that's why I play 40k. And then he dropped the mic. I, I... So in other words, he's saying the other game systems are cheaper. Like they're like physically they're, they're cheaper. less expensive, but they're also cheaper. They're crappier uh, games, and um, it's pretty funny because if you actually go through his whole review on um, Drive Through RPG, mm-hmm. it's pretty funny. He talks about all the hate, and of course, he wrote it at the time, so this is not a retrospective for for him. And um, it's pretty funny that uh, nerd culture has not changed. <laughs> you've got people that like stuff, and you've got people that just hate stuff for just for the sake of hating it. Basically, yeah. And I think it's funny. Also, nerds like to be heard. So just like he said, they walk up to a tournament 
And they're like, oh, this, these are the problems with third edition. Ah, not enough nipples on Slanesh. It's probably <laughs> what their issues were. Because Slanesh, um, Slanesh, I'm telling you right now, that was the decade of the nipples. Slanesh was just covered in nipples like like uh, measles. Mm. Yeah, there was nipples. You was could... there like a vaccine for it? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just... Uh. Now, I wanted to take uh, another moment and just start looking at some of these models. And I want your opinion on things. All right, so see, that is the Archon and the Dracon. So the Dracon's the lady over there. There's uh-huh. the Archon. Now, of all the models that they came out with, these are both single. You can tell they're single pose, uh, one-piece metal models. Uh-huh. I still love that Archon. The Archon guy looks like his head had been chopped off and re It's like the head yes. does not fit the body. No, no, that's exactly it. That is skin stretched over his helmet. Oh. Yes, which is so macabre, and I just... That, I just love it. That works for you. <laughs> if you actually look at the model, one of these days, I'm going to get that model. I okay. mean, they're not expensive, but um, I've never gotten around to getting that model. I think her model kind of sucks. Yeah, she's pretty generic. And actually, the Dracons ended up dying out. Like, there is no such thing as a Dracon. You can have a female Archon, sure, but the actual title is now called an Archon. They used to be called Dark Eldar Lords. And under that title, the Archon was the male, the Dracon was the woman. Well, now there's no Dark Eldar Lord. The Lord is an Archon. I gotcha. so, And they actually don't sell a female Archon model. So, hmm. Well, that's sexist. That is a step backward, isn't it? It is. That's screwed up. Now, this is the first homunculi. And you see the, the lady has boobies. And she looks like she's pregnant. And yeah. um, the man is over here and he looks pretty generic. Of the two, I think she looks cooler. She's got a very weird misshapen head. She does look pregnant, but, like, there's stuff coming out of her belly. There's, like, a big seam of stitches across her stomach. So, I, I don't know. She's kind of got, like, a phase pistol going on there. Now, these guys, if you play... Um, next up is the Incubi, okay? Um, I actually really like the style of these guys. They're kind of cartoony. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, everything back then was hand-sculpted. It wasn't digitally sculpted. And you can actually see these on the battlefield if you play Just James. Because the Incubi that he has, he got from a friend or whatever, and he actually still plays these Incubi. 20-year-old Incubi. That's cool. But I actually think they hold up pretty well, too. I mean, they're kind of cartoony, but other than that, um, I can't say the same thing for the next unit. Good Mm. God, these grotesques look like utter crap. Um, Now, basically what these are is they're normal human-sized people with like mutations and they've got their arms cut off and blades attached like this dude and uh but all their models are very weird looking and they're not they're not scary they're just dumb looking he's got a skull for a fist uh yeah sometimes that happens (laughs) (laughs) and uh, look this this guy right here also looks uh pregnant just like the woman did and he's got stitches across his stomach too hmm but um, now these have been replaced with giant models. So instead of little infantry guys, these are like medium-sized monsters. And they've got multiple wounds and blah, blah, blah. I love my grotesques. But these models, I never would have played grotesques if they looked like this. Good God. All right. Same thing for the mandrakes. The mandrakes were very uninspired. So right now we're looking at the mandrakes from 3rd uh, edition. And they're very, very nondescript. Yeah, as I say, they don't. They just look like people with random sword thingies. Yeah, I mean, they've, they've got, like, leather straps and stuff on, like... Oh, I mean, S&M. Yeah, I mean, they just look like a big old big old bear, you know? I wouldn't go for bear, but... Well, yeah, well, they're not she's chunky, got, like, but... Yeah, she's got nipples showing and a oh, gas man, mask I, on. Oh, man, gas masks and a nipple. Oh, she's got... That one's got some nipples showing, too. I told you, GW loved the nips, man. They really did. They're like... They, I don't know. I think this was before Janet Jackson at the Super Bowl. <laughs> Maybe she got the idea from them. And she's like, you know what? My favorite miniatures company, GW, they let a nip slip. Why can't I? It's true. So the Mandrakes are basically just dudes. They're just dudes. Oh, with, they're men? Uh, and, and women. I mean, all their models were men and women. Okay. But they had little guns and they had stupid looking blades. And really, that's it. They're dressed in black leather and nothing else. Now, the new models for the Mandrakes have look so much better. They're like, 
they have like a samurai kind of feel and they're these these fully black skinned um with green uh carvings in their skin that glow and they actually like creep out of the shadows Mm. they're they're very cool looking and these guys are just totally derpy um now next up we have the witches and you see there's a dude there i think there's two women but there's one guy and I always, it's, it bothers me a little bit that the guys are called witches. They should have come up with a better name. But. Actually, I think in, when you're a Wiccan, I think you are a witch, whether you're a man or a fe- male or female. You know what? I think you're right. Now I'm embarrassed. Yeah, you should be. I don't really want to continue with this now. Okay. Are we done? <laughs> this is the only place in the world where I matter, Cronat. You matter. No. <laughs> anyway the witches are pretty bogus um yeah, they look sucky yeah they're dumb all right talk Dinosaurs. about talk about dumb the warp beast pack good god i'm sorry these are like skinned lizards <laughs> yeah yeah no they look terrible they look like dogs like dog to lizards they look yes but they have like muscles and stuff showing i don't know what the hell is going on with this what's that guy called the Beastmaster. Beastmaster actually doesn't look too bad he's got snakes in his head he's yeah it does look like he's got snakes or dreads and he's kind of dancing he's got like a, a a wing thing on but all in all these warp beasts look like shit like they're they're just rejects from the the lizard men line uh, what do you think of the warriors here they remind me of something from like the adams family adams family yeah, where like you? look at that one that one with the hair? Oh, that one guy. But what about their armor and all that? Eh, I, th- I don't really personally like it. I don't either. That's why I've never used those models Looks for anything. cheesy. Yeah. Um, now, the raider... You have two or three of those. I right? have like five of these. These old raiders. And the reason why is I could buy them very cheaply. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate that. <laughs> Nobody likes these old raiders, so I, I buy them. I think they look pretty cool. Um, Yeah. The newer ones do look better, obviously, mm-hmm. but um, I like that I can pretty much fit 10 people on one of these, mm-hmm. and um, the new ones you can't fit any models in, so physically. Is that the one of the ones that you have magnetized that you can like put people on, or no? No, but you, right here, there's a ramp on either side. Mm-hmm. You can fit about four, four-ish models on both sides, and then these two ramps right here, you can fit another model and another model up there. Oh, cool. So, But I actually use those, and I like those Raiders. Um, now some people really like the Reaver jet bikes the most out Mm -hmm. of this entire army. And I somewhat agree. Like I actually like their jet bike design as with all this stuff though, their weapons look goofy as hell and the people are kind of don't care for them. It kind of looks like a backwards. It's like they're flying a grasshopper backwards to me, minus the legs. You're right. (laughs) It does. I was going to say, it looks like you're a cricket or something. That's true. Um, I actually do like the jet bikes though. I don't. Themself. You don't? I don't. I, I don't like them. Mm. How do you like their gun being like right in line with their head? How do you like that? Uh, they won't have any hearing. Uh, true. Yeah. Um, they also don't want to sit up too straight on their bike <laughs> because they get shot in the back of the head. Miss their hair. Now these guys, I actually like these guys. These are Hellions. Now the new models obviously look a lot cooler than them. Mm-hmm. But these guys are basically on goblin gliders. I was like, going to say they look like the green goblin. Yes. Mine. Now, what do you think of these guys? Um, I don't like them. Actually, honestly, I don't like most of this army. Oh. Well. I was probably a really bad one to I, get for I'm this. really hurt. Yeah. Um, these guys are okay. Now, of course, I'm looking at these through the lens of compared to the other old models. Yeah. You know, I'm telling you that Archon with the skin stretched over his face, though, is one of the coolest things ever. Uh, concept al- alone. These are the scourges now. I'd actually kind of like them, but they remind me of some, like, a 90s cartoon. Yeah, yeah, they're very cartoony, and believe it or not, those wings are kind of like, uh, well, I think they were actually wings, but they're basically jump troops. They can fly. Cool. And the new models are head and shoulders above that. Now, this is one of the next models that is the worst, the Talos paint engine, and later it was split into the Talos and the Kronos paint engine, but the Talos paint engine, how would you describe this thing, this monstrosity? scorpion it looks like a flying oh by the way it flies oh you can't tell that in this picture but it freaking flies so it is a giant ass flying scorpion with it's just a terrible model this is honestly i think this is one of the very worst models they ever made i absolutely hate it it just doesn't look like anything it doesn't look scary it doesn't look 
It they looks, tried, dude. It looks like a shopping cart. It looks like you'd push. I think a shopping cart. Yeah. I, can, I can definitely see the scorpion, like with a stinging tail that's a gun. Well, now the new models are so good compared to this. Now, this is the Ravager. You have well, some which, of them, don't you? No, the Ravager is basically the Raider. I was but it they, looks like, yeah. But they had little extra sponsons for people with guns. So, um, and that was basically the entire line as they know it. Um, what would you say your favorite unit is out of all this? Um, let me see. I, I don't know their names. Keep going. I like the, I guess those guys. I like the Archon and the, the Archon best. I like the, I agree. I, no, not the Dracon. The Dracon. Wait, no. Dra- the female one. She's yeah, not too good. The Dracon's the female, and she's just very basic. She is. She almost has the snakes for hair, too. Yeah, well, that's just the sculpting. Um, but yeah, the Archon, I'll eventually get one of these. They're awesome. And did you know that guy? That one right there actually looks like a Klingon. The new Klingon forms. Oh, the right one? Yeah, from Discovery. Oh, you're right. That looks like, you no. know who that looks like? The albino Klingon. Yeah. Yep. That's funny you say Takuvma. that. Takuvma. Was it Takuvma? I think that's what was his name, yeah. Takuvma. Um, now they have these, uh, they've, I'm getting completely off track here, but Discovery has put a lot of more effort into making the aliens actually sound alien. So they have these mouthpieces in, and it makes them go like, Takuvma. Like they actually don't sound like humans going, Hey, Takuvma! Like they don't, <laughs> they don't sound like that. They go, Takuvma. Because they can't like move their mouth the way they normally would. Yeah, and I actually really like their new sound. But you're right, it does look like a Klingon. So, have you learned anything about the Dark Eldar, now called the Drukhari? Yes. But don't make me repeat the facts. <laughs> well... I'm not required to take a test now, am I? No, no, you're not. Because I know you could not give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> so, Dark Eldar have officially been around for 21 years. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? It's a long time. It is. Uh, 21 years. And I just thank God I did not find this hobby until later in life. Because I've been in it, what, about 10 years? And I'm so happy I did not. All right. Well, it has been a very fun trip down. Good God, 38 (laughs) minutes. Well. (laughs) You don't realize, but I knew that already. I was just looking at the time. Oops. Bye. Bye. Thanks for being on. Anytime. As always, I truly appreciate all of you listening to this silly little podcast, and I hope you enjoyed Trip Down Memory Lane if you lived during the Dark Eldar Renaissance in 1998. If you did not, then hopefully it was interesting to you to see exactly how this army has changed. As I said before, I need you guys to contact me saying that you did or did not like this, and we will either continue or we won't. Um, I guess I suppose I could put up a poll or something like that, but I like hearing correspondence from you guys. So, um, as always, you can reach me on pimpcron at gmail.com, facebook.com slash pimpcron, patreon.com slash pimpcron. Um, please rate and review us because that's how more people get to see us. And thank you all of my Patreon subscribers for helping make this show complete. And this episode was sponsored by Patreon supporter Marcus. Thank you very much. And we will see you next week with a normal, regular Pimpcron Warhammer podcast episode. Later, y'all.